Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that you feel loved by this message from one of our guest speakers. Guys, we had an incredible week at camp. A week, week, weekend. It was, a, it was a weekend. It was not a week. We had a great weekend at camp, and uh, it was a great opportunity to be able to connect with uh, not only these students, but uh, with our leaders and your pastors, your youth pastors that are leading this ministry so well. We've got Pastor Cole, Pastor Mitch, and Pastor Skyler. Let's just thank them so much for what they do. Yes. It is... Uh, it is such an amazing privilege. Uh, you know, for those of you that don't know, I used to work at the church here uh, as a pastor on staff, and it's one of, the, one of the most amazing privileges to come and serve with the guys that took over for me and just to, to get to serve with them and see all that they're doing. Uh, my wife and I drove away from camp last night, and uh, we looked at each other. We were just like, we're so proud. We're so proud of the ministry and the work that's being done uh, for you guys, but also for our church. Amen. Amen. Okay, we, we want to show you a little bit of a picture. Our, our, I don't even think our students have seen this yet, but this is our, this is our camp, you guys. This is, this is what we did. This is our group, our group photo. And uh, in the first service, I called this our auditorium space. It's not an auditorium at all. It's, I, I kind of referred to it as more of a, a glorified closet. Um, but it is, it is the best place. It is the best place you could imagine spending your time uh, with 40 or 50 of these youth. Um, this weekend was powerful. It was transformational. And uh, we know that these moments are powerful. We know that they're life-changing. And so on Friday, when I kicked things off with our youth, I made a commitment to you guys. Uh, I made a commitment to them that I was not going to waste a minute that we don't have the ability to even wait a single second without giving them everything we can when it comes to the truth, when it comes to the hope that they have. And the youth, you know, you guys met me with such an incredible diligence and such a commitment this weekend, and you stepped up to the challenge to meet me exactly with the same level of energy and commitment in each and every service. You guys should be so proud of how you took absolute captive of every moment this weekend to make everything matter in what God is doing in your life. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you this weekend. I presented a few ideas uh, to the campers this weekend, to our students, and I wanted to bring everybody up to speed this morning because it can be challenging on a youth takeover weekend to kind of go like, well, we weren't there, so like, what did you do? <laughs> you know, did you even sleep? Well, you'll find out later when your kids come home. But uh, you know, the reality is, is that we presented a few ideas overall from Friday, Saturday, uh, Saturday night, and then this morning that really kind of build on each other. And when I was praying through what I wanted to call this series and what, what this was going to really end up looking like, the journey came to my mind because we all come to this place together. We all come to this place together with a set of unique experiences and a set of unique testimonies. Each one of us, no matter what age you are, no matter what demographic you would fall into, no matter what your story is, you all come with a unique history to this place. And just like on a major expedition, uh, this weekend we kicked things off on Friday night calling it our base camp. Really calling it our base camp, recognizing that at base camp, when you're on an expedition or you're on a, on a journey or you're on an adventure and you gather with people that are preparing for the same journey ahead, oftentimes that base camp is not at the start of your individual journey. It's actually midway. It's actually in flow of whatever opportunity it is that you're pursuing. Base camp is a point in time 
not the start of your journey. Each, each and every one of us are coming to base camp with an experience, with a journey so far. So church, welcome this morning to base camp. Welcome here. You're two days late, but you're here. <laughs> you're here this morning. We're so glad that you're here. I'm so grateful that you chose to be here this morning. And if you're joining us online as well, we hope that this uh, means something to you, even though you can't be with us in the room and feel the energy and smell the smells. It's, uh, <laughs> it's still great to have you with us this morning. So I, uh, I shared some experiences this weekend with our students. And um, one of the things that I wanted to really share with them is the, the, the greatest truth that I've experienced in my life. And it's this, is that the in-between, the place not quite at the start and not really near the end, is the hardest part of any journey. The in-between is full of challenges, obstacles, temptations, and surprises. But the truth is, is that Jesus is in the in-between. Jesus is in the in-between. Jesus stands as the ultimate example of presence and guidance during our most difficult moments and doesn't leave us to navigate this journey alone. In every journey, there's typically something we're often in pursuit of. We're in pursuit of something, and that's good. It can motivate us. It can press us on towards that thing. But we can't be consumed with trying to get it too soon. There's a tension there. And it's important to know where your feet currently are. Where has God positioned you? Where are you on your journey now? Because moments matter. Jesus was a man of presence. He was intentional. He was compassionate and present in the moments that made a difference. The only way we can be present in the moment on our journey is to surrender the past we can't change and trust God with a future we can't control. That's the only way. That's faith. Finally, last night, we discussed this call to faith that Jesus put in front of his disciples, and it's so fun talking about the disciples because, you know, they're kind of slow sometimes in terms of getting the, the whole picture, and I really put myself in that position and be like, I think I would be also in that position. <laughs> I'm not sure that I would fully have clarity at all times either, but that's what being on the journey is all about. And although we face difficulties and challenges on our journey, we have the ability to overcome them by building a foundation of faith on the understanding that Jesus will call us deeper than we ever think possible. He will call us into more stuff than we ever imagined we could handle. But we are never called into that alone. We are never called to go deeper alone. As a matter of fact, in scripture, it even says that though, even though the waves will come, the storms will come, the rivers will flood over us, we will never drown. It will, it will never overtake us because Jesus is with us. We are never alone. Even in the storms of life, the journey that has been set before us, adversity is a guarantee. It is a absolute guarantee and it's about trusting in the one who has set the destination that can give us confidence to live faithfully for him. You're there, church, that's base camp. That's where we are. So we're coming this morning and I wanted to share a little bit of a story with you. When I formally resigned here from the church, I had been on staff for about three and a half years or so, um, our family entered into one of the most difficult seasons that we've been through in our, t in our life together thus far. We felt called into something unexpected and inspired to begin navigating a new part of our journey. But shortly into the career change that I made, the glimmer and promises and expectations of it all began to wane 
And the reality of disappointment and anger, mistrust and worry began to set in. I was faced with a feeling of, of deep regret, deep regret. And I was working here remote one day and I was in one of the, the offices in the hallway and Pastor Greg walked past and I was just in tears and I said, did I make the biggest mistake of my life? What did I, what have I done? The feeling of deep regret. I used to, you know, function in ministry as that it was the greatest job, it was the greatest gift I could ever imagine getting to do. I used to say that all the time, I can't believe we get to do this. This is the best job I've ever had. So why leave? Well, from the outside looking in, it would be easy to think that it was for opportunity or because maybe some of the passions that I have provide different levels of distraction in my life. Maybe I'm the only one that has multiple things I'm passionate about. But it wasn't actually for any of those things. It was being in, in production and media and advertising and creative agency exposed me to a lot of areas of passion for sure, but areas that resonated deeply within my mind and my heart, even specific giftings that had been nurtured over time. From, from nonprofits and faith-based opportunities like working with The Chosen, Youth Alpha, Samaritan's Purse, organizations of all kinds, hire the agency I'm a part of to help grow their impact. We take the mission and vision of an organization, we create and craft collateral, messaging, creative, and advertising in every vein to help them flourish and impact the lives of those who engage with their services. It is really important work that I get to do. It is really great work that I get to be a part of, and I love it. But God spoke to me and made it clear that we were going to be you know, coming across opportunities that would stretch and that would grow my capacity while testing my faith, testing perseverance and endurance in some of the areas I'd been fortunate enough to create a business in. But God made it clear to me that this also wouldn't be forever, that this was a season, but that it was a necessary step in my personal foundation, formation, and growth. And I felt released and confident to move into the next season of life. In so many ways, church, in so many ways, I expected this year to be full of highs and celebrations, but was faced with more growth opportunities and challenges than I've ever had to face in my life. Honestly. The bottom line this morning is when it comes to our journey, get God's view on it. What happens when we have vision from a mountaintop experience that doesn't sustain us the way that God intended. I don't have anything against mountaintop experiences. In a lot of ways, camp is one of those mountaintop experiences. It's a primary example that we use. It's an experience in our life that creates a moment of pause for us that often can shift the entire landscape of what's to come. But we cannot live only relying on our view from occasional mountaintop experiences. We can't. And the story in Scripture of the Transfiguration reads like a historical event. It's completely complex, and there's so much layer, there's layers to it and meaning to it. We could spend hours and hours digging into it. But it doesn't matter whether you experience the story literally or as a kind of metaphor or parable. Its significance is that the story involves a journey up a mountain. It involves a journey up a mountain. And in Scripture, mountains are always sacred. Moses received the Ten Commandments on a mountain. Temple Mount on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. 
is the site of the Jewish temple. Mountains were significant because there was an ancient belief of this three-tier system, that there was heaven, earth, and then hell. And these three tiers formed up what is our understanding of the universe. And God residing in heaven, which is above the sky, therefore a mountaintop brought humans closer to God, physically. It actually brought you to the closest possible point that you could encounter God. And that's why Matthew tells us that Jesus took the disciples somewhere that heaven and earth were close in proximity. Quite literally a place where you feel you could say, I'm on top of the world, <laughs> right? Quite literally. So we're going to read this in Matthew 17, 1 to 9. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. And I imagine him going like, hey, like, get up. You're embarrassing me. Like, get up. <laughs> right? Like, that's, that's one way you could read it. But the, the other way is he goes, he's, he goes, get up. Get up. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Check this out in verse 9. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. What do you do when God gives you a vision on the mountaintop? See, there was a lot of journey left to go, and Jesus had just revealed to some of his disciples that although they might have slowly been figuring it out over time, that he was, in fact, who they believed him to be. <laughs> and, and you guys know this from this weekend where I shared stories about the disciples encountering Jesus and learning from Jesus from the moment that Jesus selected them as his disciples. These disciples were just like you and I and had questions repeatedly that always led back to, who are you? <laughs> who are you, Jesus? Oh, wow, okay, I see that you are who you said you were. And then another opportunity would come and the disciples would go, who are we following? <laughs> really, really that, that's what happened. The disciples consistently went through a revelation of understanding more and more and more of who Jesus was. There was no longer any doubt in these three, any doubt that God was doing exactly what already had been promised, in that a Savior was coming, and this, this Savior was present. It was, he was on their journey, living and interacting within their mess, within their situation, within their life, and he was interacting with it and, and changing the trajectory of the world. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being friends with someone who has incredible influence, even akin to celebrity, and you find that out for the first time and realize, wow, I had no idea. Can you imagine what that would be like? That would probably make you feel really lucky. It would probably make you feel really blessed. It would probably make you feel like you understood all of a sudden things that they had said to you 
through a lens of experience and knowledge that you really didn't fully grasp at the moment. Those things probably came clearer in that moment. Jesus, however, instructs them to wait on telling everyone, and I wondered why. Here's what the Holy Spirit said. We have sight. We have sight. And it can be really easy to go to the mountaintop to see something and on returning, share it the way we've seen it. We apply it the way that we perceive it rather than from God's view on it. Put it like this. We either see what we see or we see what he's showing us. Or we see what he's showing us. The world of the day in Jesus' time, see, they wanted a political leader. They, they wanted a political messiah, didn't they? They wanted a, a deliverer, someone that would take care of the Romans, and their expectations of what a savior should look like didn't align with this kind of savior that Jesus was turning out to be. So he says, don't say anything about it until verse 9. The Son of Man is raised again from the dead. Why? Why? Why would he say that? Why would he say to wait? Why, why specifically for that moment? Listen to this, you guys. This is my thought. Because if you wait till after the resurrection, they'll know that I didn't come to conquer the Romans. I came to conquer death. If you just, if, if you think it's good now, you think it's good now, just wait. <laughs> I'm going to conquer death, you know? You think that I'm conquering one thing? You think that I'm coming to deal with one problem you have? One situation of adversity on your journey? One group of people that are persecuting you? One group of people that are even killing you? You think that that's what I'm here to do? I'm here to set the world free. I'm here to conquer death so that death is not the end. Oh, get God's view on it. Get God's view on it. Whatever your situation is, whatever you're encountering on your journey today, when God gives you a mountaintop experience, we have to take that vision in. We have to pray about it. Let the Holy Spirit bring clarity to that vision. And when we return to the mountain, we will be able to live with the knowledge and understanding of what he's shown and revealed to us rather than just what we think we've seen with our eyes. God's vision creates an opportunity for you to have a depth of understanding that, listen to this, doesn't require sight. God's vision for your life requires a depth of understanding that doesn't require sight to have faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we read, for we live by faith, not by sight. Can you imagine if everything we were to experience in our limited perspective of our life and our journey and our situations and our emotions, can you imagine if it was left up to us to determine what everything meant? I would be experiencing so much heartache. I am not the best person to give myself advice. You ever feel that way? Sometimes it feels really good. You're like, oh, I'm lonely. <laughs> You know, oh, that really hurt my feelings, right? It feels good to say those things. That person really hurt me. What are you being taught? What is God saying through that hurt? What is God saying through to that thing? 
How is God using that situation on your journey to influence change in your trajectory? To influence change in building and establishing a faith deep inside of you that doesn't require your situation to change, but requires that your eyes, your view changes. Instead of walking life going like this, looking around everywhere, you're just walking life like this. Yeah, okay, God. <laughs> right? Whatever you say, God, I'm here. I'm here, God. I got your vision on it. Whatever you do, there will be obstacles to overcome along the journey. There will be obstacles to overcome along the journey. And you get to these mountaintop experiences. Don't be nervous, anyone. <laughs> and you get to the top, and your entire perspective changes. I'm in the dark. The sun is behind the mountain. <laughs> you get to the top of the mountain, and your perspective changes. The viewpoint that I have from the ground is limited, but the viewpoint that I have from here is expansive. And God is giving us a vision in this position to show us the journey ahead, to show us the meaning of things that are meant to inform us when we go down, that are meant to provide opportunities of clarity. But if I'm down here and I go up, and I go up the mountain and I go, okay, yeah, I got it. Yeah, okay. And I come down and I say, guys, God wanted me to tell you that there's about 200 people here. What if God's, what if God's vision on the situation is that there's actually people here, someone here, someone specifically here that needs a word of encouragement today? What if the perspective that I have in my limited view only gives me an idea of what I think is the solution, but God wants to do something in me to say, God, it's not about me. What are you doing? What are you saying? How does that shift and change my response to the world on your behalf? How does it encourage my faith? How does it change your vision for your finances, for your, for your health, for your marriage, for your relationships, for your education, for, for your career? How does it change that? The more that you get God's vision on your journey, and I, I really believe that you will witness a deepening and a maturing of your faith. How many times have we heard ourselves say, yeah, I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord. Oh, yeah, you know what? Thanks so much for praying for me. I just trust the Lord, right? How many times have we heard ourselves say that? But then come trials and sufferings in our life. We panic and we immerse ourselves in worry, hopelessness, and all the other things that draw our attention away from the Lord. Sometimes I think that we get so focused on the things that God said he would already rescue us from. Sometimes I think that we're focused on the rushing water and the depth that we're not going to be able to swim in and the, the rivers that might overtake us and the fires that might set us ablaze and all of those things. And we're worried about those things, but God has already promised in the journey that he will never leave us alone. He has given us Jesus to partner with us in life, to lead the way by example, to, to quite literally accompany us on the journey to provide clarity from the Father's heart. And yet we still want to do it on our own. I think we have some bad habits, church. And you know, I said this in the first service, but church, our students, they're watching you. 
Our students are watching your life. They're watching, not just your kids, not just if you have kids in youth. Our students are watching each and every one of you with a microscope, wondering how it is that God is who we preach and say he is. Wondering how it is that you're happy when you're in deep, deep pain. Wondering how it is that you were in the hospital yesterday and the next day you walked out. You are an example of the kind of faith that Jesus is establishing and building and developing in these students. That comes with a responsibility. Church, you got to go up every moment of every day, every possible minute you can has to be spent in gaining God's perspective on the situation. So that when you come down, you're not sharing your own personal opinion of what you think God is doing in these kids' lives. You are sharing because of an inspired interaction with the Holy Spirit. You are sharing because you have been so transformed that it is impossible for you to say anything that would make them think of you. We are way less capable than we give ourselves credit for. And I don't mean that in a a way to make you feel guilty and shameful. I just say that the world throws excuses at us and diversions and distractions at us over and over and repeatedly we get so desensitized to those things that we start to accept that they're normal. We were never meant to spend the majority of our time in the world. Be in the world, but not of the world. Get God's view on it. Change your perspective. Let God shift your mind, shift your heart, shift your spirit so that when you come into the world, you are like a beacon of hope of his kingdom to come. God revealed to me this past year that the most important part of who I am, my identity, is not really about what I do or the kind of influence that I have. It's got to be about how I am partnering with the Holy Spirit and influencing the world for his kingdom. All of a sudden, you guys, in my job, everything felt pastoral. Every interaction, every piece of constructive feedback, creative meetings, board meetings with executives around North America with these organizations. The moment it became about my testimony for God, I was praying with people in the boardroom on a regular basis, crying with clients over deep issues of hurt and heartache that would come up in the projects that we would do that have nothing to do about whether or not they have marketing budget for Q1 of 2024. All of a sudden, everything's ch- everything changed when you get God's view on it. There is a purpose in everything we do that does not have to become our identity. What you do is not who God called you to be. When I started at Anthem, the organization I worked with, 20% of our clients were faith-based. This was a year ago, exactly a year ago to the day, almost, exactly, yep. (laughs) I was at Connect Camp and then went to work, yep. God revealed to me this past week, (laughs) God revealed to me this past week that now 20 of 25 of our clients are faith-based. And in some way or another, 
in my role, it's not about me, guys. I'm not saying that it's about me. I'm using this as an example, but I'm saying that in my role, I am uniquely positioned to be the primary source of communication with all of them. Whether I'm there forever or not, I'm legitimately not worried about it anymore. Because my prayer for so long, my ask of Jesus, my ask in my relationship with God has been to know and understand the deep desires of my heart. But I've been so mistaken that when I go up the mountain, I, I for a moment get his perspective on it, and then I come down because it's easier to come down quicker. I'm not a great mountain climber. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm not doing that in my free time. Um, I go up and down relatively quick. It's kind of mundane, and it feels routine, and it's not, I'm not really spending the time and energy and effort to really make that moment a priority. And I come down, and I think that I have clarity. And I think that I know what God wants and plans for my life. And I miss out on the fact that the entire point, the entire purpose of any change that we navigate in our life is so that we would bring honor to God. Is that if your situation changes tomorrow, which it will, (laughs) in one way or another, your situation will change. Adversity will come, challenges, it's a promise in the Bible, in Scripture. You are never alone. Jesus is with you. Your identity in who God created you to be is so established in the relationship that Jesus wants to have with you. He wants to partner with God's creation. He wants to partner with you and he wants to reveal to you the fullness of his kingdom that is yet to come. And he can only do that if you're willing to have faith. We read in Psalm 37, 23 to 24, that the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fail, for the Lord holds them by the hand. The band can come if you guys are available. Church, our journey requires a deep commitment to let God show us where our next steps are supposed to be and trust that he's involved in every detail. God loves you so incredibly much. You guys, students, if you hear anything this weekend, I know you're so tired. If you hear anything this weekend, it's that you need to know how loved you are. The entire purpose to any of this, to why your leaders invest in taking you to a camp, to why your parents or your family members or your guardians put you in a position to have a weekend away, an opportunity like this, is so that you would have every opportunity to know that you are loved. To know that there is a purpose for your life. God sent his only son into the world to purchase our salvation with his life. He lived a life very much the same as us. He started as a baby, which we talked about on Friday, right guys? He started out as a baby, which isn't all that exciting. Um, Babies are weak humble in every way. Having a one-year-old and a three-year-old, we kind of quickly forgot, hey, Elise, how our son, when he was born, how much they need to learn from us. Like, babies are helpless. <laughs> and I don't mean that bad. I just, it's true. They don't know how to swallow. They don't know how to eat. They don't know how to sleep, <laughs> sometimes. They don't know when it, you know, I've shared it before, but you can't look at your baby and say, be on your best behavior. Like, they don't know what that means. 
They need to be shaped. They need to be formed. They need to be cared for. They need to be nurtured. And Jesus experienced the same growth. The same initial start of his journey is the same as all of us. And God did that on purpose because God recognized that there was no one in humanity that could accomplish what was going to be needed to create an opportunity for God to reconcile humanity to himself. And so God being in complete himself, God created and sent his son who was in every way a human, but had all of the attributes of God inside. And Jesus lived a life, you guys, and experienced hardship, experienced challenge, experienced persecution, made friends with people that didn't get it, made friends with people that did get it, made friends with people that betrayed him. And it wasn't about him. Jesus was here. He was present in your moments. He was present in your life. He was in the in-between. Some of us are in this routine and we're kind of, we're kind of used to, you know, only going about, about half, I don't want to tear my pants here, but we're only used to going, we're only used to going about halfway up. And while we're about halfway up and our intention is to go to the mountaintop, we kind of still end up reaching for the thing that we think we need. We're getting pulled or we're getting directed towards whatever the situation is that's grabbing our attention. We know that we should have God's perspective, but, but we also know that we kind of feel led here. This is not a momentous occasion to be done once in a while. This is an everyday, get your steps in. Okay, God, I got it, thanks. Live your life. Okay, God, back up. I got a, I got a frustrating situation at work. I got I to get your clarity on this. Okay, God, what do I do? Thanks, God. Okay, I see your view on it. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna handle this differently. Okay, God, I came home, I'm really tired today. I don't know how to give my kids all that they need. God, what's your view on this? Just be real? Okay, I'll be real, God. Okay, hey guys, I'm really tired. Can we do something, you know, whatever. Whatever the situation is, whatever is in front of you in your journey, this journey, the, the journey to the mountaintop has to become a habit, a routine, something that you engage in every single moment of every single day. And, and we think sometimes that that's not possible because we're too busy. We're not too busy. It takes way less time to go up here and get God's vision than it does to make mistakes and regret them for the rest of our life. Get God's vision on it. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Get God's view on it. It's way better than you can imagine or comprehend. And church, our journey depends on it. Our journey, your faith depends on it. Would you pray with me? God, we come to you today. And I don't know where everybody's at this morning, God. You, you know. 
But one thing I do know, God, is that you've given us all the same kind of life to have to live. We face similar situations, similar moments of heartache, similar moments of disappointment, similar moments of excitement, similar moments of celebration, similar moments of new life, similar moments of loss of life, similar moments of healing, similar moments of sickness. God, in those similarities, in the things that we face, God, today I pray that you would give each and every person a word of hope today. That you would establish in them a faith that is unshakable by the challenges of this world. I pray this morning, God, that our church would be known in Sturgeon County as a church of faithful people. A church of faithful people that no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, that we are committed to changing the landscape of this world to know you in every way, to know your kingdom, to know your healing, to know your mercy, to know your love, to know your grace. God, I pray that this morning. Thanks for joining us today. For more on our messages or information about our ministries, you can visit tfhchurch.ca. We hope you have a great week.